0: Uh, tonight, God is uh, good, and I'm a little tangled, but we're okay. <laughs> we're happy to see those who are here, and uh, thankful for those who are online. Thank you for joining us this evening. The first scripture we're going to is Psalm uh, chapter 46. We'll get there in just a moment as we continue our lesson uh, series, Life Enrichment. Let's uh, please go together to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you. Heavenly Father, you are wonderful. We're just so so amazed at your your power and your might, and we humbly come to you. We look back at your great and amazing plan, all the way back to the book of Genesis that you've revealed to us how you created the heavens and the earth. And Lord God, we're amazed at your creation. And then along with that, there was a spiritual plan and how everything you designed on earth had a spiritual connection for us to grab and to understand. And you revealed those things to us. You unveiled them in your word. Please help us to continue to grow in a spiritual way. Help us to be able to see the nuggets that you've given to us in the Old Testament and in the New and to be able to apply them to our each and everyday lives. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you do. Please continue to be with us. Help us to be humble. And meek and gentle. In Jesus' name we pray and thank thee, to be that will. Amen. Uh, Psalm 46. So we're gonna be talking, uh, at this, at this point, just, just for a moment, um on meditation. Because that's important. And I'm not really gonna give you, I think most of us, and maybe this is a, it's wrong to assume it, but we've, all, we've heard of, of, of how to meditate and the different ways you can look on online of different ways of how to meditate, and this isn't a how to meditate, but rather just some tools uh, to use while we meditate or uh, begin the practice of meditation. From a godly perspective, the Bible does tell us to, to meditate and to think about God's Word. And so we're going to, actually I said we're going to deal with it a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, but we're going to deal with the idea and the thought of, of meditation. So here's one thing about that we know about meditation at the time when you where you stop. Right And you um, you focus your mind on on things outside of this world, and uh, so the Bible tells us to be still, right? Uh, the idea of slowing down. We're just very we're very busy people in in the world, and it's it is what it is, right I mean it is it, we are busy people, and uh, but there's a point in time in life where busy people need to slow down, right. So Psalm 46 and verse 10, the Bible says, uh, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So cease striving or be still. The idea of slowing down for just a moment and recognize, take in the beauty of God, right? The beauty of God in our lives, the attributes of God, the, everything we know about God. Stop, slow down, and take in what God has given to us. So we're not always in the rat race, moving, 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 and always uh, uh, striving, and, and fighting, and arguing, and bickering, and all those things, right? Just to be able to stop for a moment, to learn to relax, and slow down, and think about God. Now, one of the things that I learned growing in faith is eventually you learn, you you rather you run out of things to think about. It's because my faith wasn't very strong, but the more your faith grows, the more you'll be able to entertain the idea of slowing down and stopping and thinking about the beauty and the magnificence of God and all that God has done. Not necessarily. Um, for the whole entire world, but just in your individual, in your personal life, in my life. And as we think about this, this is what God has given to us to help us to slow down. So first, Mark chapter 11. Here's one thing he's given to us. A time where, where we can um, learn to relax and think about what God has done for us. And we can do that in prayer. So Mark 11 in verse 24. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted you. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses or your transgressions. And So take the time to step back and pray, knowing that everything you ask for, then God's will, it's all going to happen, right? And the one thing you ought to do is, in that prayer, is think about all the people that you have to forgive. So we start down that list, and we just think about the things that we need to forgive, and the reason why we should forgive, and the joy and the beauty in forgiveness. Those are the things that we ought to do. And we think about our prayer. You know, we're asking God to help us through this pandemic. And and be very specific in your prayer. Slow down for just a moment and think about, along with asking God to help us through the pandemic, stop for a moment and think about all the things God has done to help you through thus far this pandemic. So God has been walking with us every day and every step of the way through this pandemic. If you think about it, it's beautiful. It's amazing if we stop and slow down and think about everything He's done for us from the beginning of the pandemic, whenever it began, uh, all the way till today. And you say, wow, God has been with me all the way through this pandemic, which tells me that if I continue in my prayer life and relationship with God, He will continue to be with me through this pandemic, right? Through life, whatever's going on in our lives. Everything's not about The pandemic, just things in life that we wrestle with. God will be with us as God has already been with us. So, Joshua learned an interesting lesson. Joshua chapter 1. God spoke to Joshua as he speaks to us in such a way as God speaks more. um, He speaks in the present, but he speaks in regards to our good as it's in the past. In other words, like in the mind of God, like the prayer, it's already done, right? And so when we're asking God to do for us, it's already done. Have you ever felt um, kind of, I mean, let me just, I have felt at times kind of foolish saying things like, dear God, please continue to extend your grace upon us. I don't need to ask God to do that. That's who God is. I don't have to ask God, and I, and I thought about that, like, why am I asking God to do the thing he already told us he has already done, and continues to do, and will do, and I mean, I need to ask for forgiveness, I need to confess my faults, but dear God, please be kind, I don't have to ask God to be kind, God's already kind, everything about God is kind, and so uh, he speaks to us, we need to learn to speak to him in the same way, things that we already know God is, and God has done, those are not things that we ought to pray for, but rather give God credit and say, thank you, God, for being so kind continually and constantly in my life as you have shown grace and mercy, realized through Jesus Christ, truth and love, etc., etc., in our prayer life. Well, here he speaks to Joshua and he says, hey, when you go to the promised land, don't worry, it's already won. The victory, the battle is is finished and it's over. Uh, But I want you to uh, do something, Joshua. Verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1, you're very familiar with this passage This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. And so there's this reward passage, right? Where God is saying, if you learn my law and meditate on my law and practice my law, then you will have success. So there's this Appeal to our selfish mindset where, oh, I want success. You know, I, I want victory. And then God says, well, here's how you gain the victory. If you learn my law and meditate on my law and practice my law. In other words, don't forget what God has to say. Well, think about that in life. If in life we remember what God has told us, it's amazing all the positives that God has already told us. That he's already done and how we've already gained the victory. But we have a responsibility as His children to stay faithful and to stay true and to understand His Word. Understand His Word and practice His Word. And help other people to learn His Word. As we're doing these things, we're finding, because we're active, uh, actively involved with the Lord. Because we are active, we're doing something. We find then there's this amazing amount of inner peace that comes within us. Because... We know we're walking with Jesus. And there's nothing like walking with Jesus. That's a beautiful concept, an idea, and a reality in the life of a Christian. So here's what God says in regards to meditation. We're on the earth. Here we are physically. We're on the earth, but he wants our minds to be focused and fixated in heaven, right? Stepping away from all the earthly trauma and trials and chaos and all that, keeping our minds In heaven. So look at Ephesians 2. It is interesting the way this passage reads, verse, uh, reads, verses 4 through verse 6, where it it reads in such a way that saying we live our lives uh, as with mind over matter. Our body is on the earth, but our minds have to be fixated or focused in the heavenlies, right? So that we can see the greater reward and be able to remove ourselves it's like um the POWs and uh those who are str- who are struggling physically maybe someone has our body captive but they can't capture your mind and so the mind is somewhere else for our own protection so god says in verse 4 of ephesians uh, chapter chapter 2 But god being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trans- transgressions made us alive Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, you know, when have we been seated in the heavenly places? Well, that's what God's point. Keep your focus in heaven, right? So that we um, we, we learn to deal with the life, you know, uh, I guess changing situations and you know, all that we come in, across every day we learn to deal with them in a spiritual way. You know, we are not we're not ready we're not fast at uh at retaliating. Um, we're ready to forgive. We are looking for opportunities to uh, to to bless our God, right? So, how do we do this? Then All right, so Hebrews chapter 12 uh the the great text of chapter 11 is very crucial and critical to chapter 12. And, and what I want you to think about doing is, as you're as you're thinking about this race, Christianity, as you're thinking about this race, and as we slow down for a moment and we pray and we ask God to help us to, to conquer and to move forward, see yourself crossing the finish line. I think I talked about this as a, a Bible class was brought to us on Tuesday night. Um, we were talking about Philippians chapter 3 and, and, or chapter 4. And what a great, what a great passage in Colossians 3. See yourself crossing the finish line. See yourself as the winner. Now, the beautiful thing about it in Christ is we're not competing against each other, right? We're running our own individual race. And so it's almost as if you're in the arena all by yourself. As far as on the track. And the, the fans in the stands, right, the heroes of faith are in the stands all around. And they're cheering us on and they're, they're saying, go, go, don't give up. And there is, it's really an exciting, chapter 12 is really exciting when you leave chapter 11. And, and when you, when you see yourself in the arena, instead of seeing yourself with all the exhaustion of running the, the race, see yourself at the end crossing the finish line into heaven, right? And, I, and I'll tell you what, in, in sporting events um, in, in different activities of mind meditation, etc., you don't see yourself necessarily going through the process. You ready your mind to go through the process. But you've got to see the end as well. You can't ready your mind part way in other words you don't you don't ready your mind by entering i'm gonna i'm gonna run this race and you okay all right i'm gonna run the race well you have to prepare your mind for the race how long is the race going to be what is necessary in the race what do i need to do what have i trained my body and my mind uh to do how have i how have i trained my mind and my body and then halfway through like if you're running a marathon you get you know you, you break it in thirds if you will so uh, the first third, you're like, okay, I'm I'm on track. I'm, I'm doing all right. But then you've got to refocus and say, okay, now, I, I, we already trained, and we're going to pick up the pace in the second third of this leg. And so we pick the pace up, and then we start. We know we're going to get tired. So we've readied our mind for the time when our mind says, well, you know, we've been going for quite some time now. Uh, can we make it? And our mind says, yes, we can, and we continue. But you see yourself running the entire race, the entire marathon. So in Christ... We have to see ourselves running the entire marathon. And Jesus says, I've seated you already in heaven. So you have to be able to see yourself in there already, if you will, having crossed or crossing the finish line. So Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, let's think about this verse now. So we're thinking about meditation. So now I want to think about this verse. When I think about this verse, I think about verse one. I think about it in this sense. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So there's a lot of, there are a lot, right? Maybe they're myriads of angels. They're definitely all the heroes of faith. Maybe they're more heroes than is actually mentioned in this passage. So since we have this great crowd of witnesses and they're up there cheering us on, they're saying, you win, you win. Look, there's something holding you back. There's something that's shackled to my feet, to my ankles. He says, look, I need you to lay that, lay that sin that so easily entangles us, that was that sin that was so important to me, I realize it no longer has value. And all it's doing, this sin, is holding me back. It's entangled me, you see. And it's, maybe it has both my legs. It has something. It has its hold on me. Let it go. Give it to God. Give it away because it's not necessary and it's not helping me. And the fans are saying, the heroes of faith are saying, well, yeah, you know, I had this and, and, you know, everybody's saying what they've gone through in their life. But they had to let go of some things in order to win the race. And so there are some things in our lives that we have to learn to let go of. And the fans in the stands are saying, we've already let go of ours. We released our vice. Will you release yours? You know, and one of those things, right, one of those really big ones is pride. Yes, my wife and I talk about pride all the time. We're like, hey, we gotta really stay away from pride. Pride holds on to us and won't let us go. And that's the thing about sin is that sin will never release you. You have to let it go yourself. In fact, you need to get down there with them tools and release it. Make it leave you alone. Right? Jesus says, um, what is it in Mark, Mark 9, if you're right out of you pluck it out. I mean, you, not literally, but the idea is you have to do something to get rid of it. So here, these fans are saying, get rid of the sin That's holding you back from heaven. Get rid of the sin, the thing, the situation in your life that is keeping your mind from being able to focus on Jesus. Because you have to run the race. And in order to run the race, you can't run the race looking backwards. You have to run the race looking forwards. And Jesus said, uh, you know, in Luke, what is it, 9, in verse 62, that, that no man, uh, who's looking backwards is fit for the kingdom of heaven. You can't, you can't do that. You can't look backwards. You have to continue to look forward in Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of forgiveness and, and confession. When you are, when we are repentant in our hearts, and we are confessing the name of Jesus Christ, and, and God is forgiving us, you can finally let that go. And never hold yourself accountable for whatever it is that Jesus has forgiven you of. So you, you, you let this, you let this go. So you, again, you get rid of the shackle that's holding you back, whatever it is, and you run with endurance. So again, now your mind, right, you're running, so to endure, you have to know, alright, how far do I have to go? Jesus said, be faithful now until death. So we continue on until the end. And then, The only way that you can do that, if you can imagine running a race and not knowing when it's going to end, that's kind of hard to focus on. So he says, here's what you focus on. The way we focus on the end as Christians is not fixating our mind on, well, when I turn 80 or when I turn 70 or it's not that, or this particular trial. Rather, it's fixing our eyes on Jesus. In other words, we have a focal point. So it's like this tunnel vision, you know, I, I, yeah, there are lots of things going on around me. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I'm struggling. I'm wrestling with my, my, my issues. I'm going backwards every now and then. You ever heard that? Maybe you've said it. I've taken one step forward and ten steps backwards, but I'm focused on Jesus and there's that amazing smile and that welcoming uh, a arm of love, if you will, that makes me continue to press on until the end. And so my focus is in the right place. And when you focus in the right place, when your mind is set on Jesus, you recognize that He who made me has given me the ability to go all the way to the end. And that's how we win. So that's our um, our, our our vision. That's our our point of meditation as we think about the power of the word of god now as we focus on jesus here's what we're looking at let's go to jude uh for just a moment verse um 24 so it's not just again it's not just um the heroes of faith maybe maybe it's the you know the angels are rejoicing at our repentance the bible tells us that see yourself as a winner and uh, being given that gift of god that prize which is heaven So verse 24 of Jude tells us, okay, now when you fix on Jesus, let's read the first verse. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now forever. Amen. Amen. So here's something that we struggle with. Well, first of all, before we get to our struggle, to Him who is able. It doesn't say what 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 is spoken in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, God speaks to Gideon and He says, "Go in this your strength." That's not what we want to hear, right? Because we don't always have this. We don't really have the strength to make it. But God, who is able, has the ability to keep us. Right, So we're focusing on Jesus. Remember Hebrews chapter 12. We're fixing our mind on Jesus. right? And we're recognizing that God is able to bring me through. I mean, he may be miles and miles off. He may be so far away in, in our minds because of, of the situation that I am in right now that I could barely see Jesus. But it's enough to know that Jesus is able to bring me all the way to the end. And so the mind is focused on Jesus. So what is God able to do for you? What is it that you need today that maybe we have forgotten that God is able to bring us to that, that end of the journey? He's able, in the text that says, to keep us from stumbling. Right? And so... You gotta go to Second Peter chapter one, verses five through seven, where he gives us those those seven things that we have to do to learn and remember to keep ourselves from stumbling. But Jesus is able to take a man who would stumble on his own and keep him from stumbling. And this is viewed from a heavenly perspective. It doesn't mean I'm perfect in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, but it means God keeps us upright so that we can continue to run the race until the end. And this is what God does. Remember, the question in Revelation and throughout the Bible is, who is able to stand? Only the ones that Jesus keeps. And so Jesus has the ability to keep us in such a way from stumbling so that we are able to stand in the end on the day of judgment. And to make us stand in the presence of his glory blameless. How in the world could God see us as blameless? It's so easy to go back to um, the negative and go, well, you know, I know I'm not perfect. Well, everybody knows that. Everyone knows that no one's perfect. We know that. But God doesn't want us to focus on that. Instead, God wants us to find the ability to see as God sees, Right? To think as God thinks. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Isaiah 55. To see as God sees. To think as God thinks. So what does God want us really to see? Well, how many times do we look at a little baby? Helpless baby. Who need us for everything. And say, well, this baby isn't perfect. Never, right? Have you ever done that? I don't think so. Never. That's how we're supposed to see that God sees us. That really we are vulnerable and weak and helpless. And God is able to take this person that's full of blame and make me blameless. And see me and help me and come to my aid and pick me up and stand me up and Keep me strong and keep me from stumbling. And when I find myself falling backwards to catch me and to pick me up and move me forward. And then the fans are continuing, you know, they're saying, What a beautiful, beautiful child you have here, God. Not that I'm perfect. Well, here I go again. No. See yourself the way you see a baby. Babies are perfect, right? Babies are perfect. And yet and yet the baby can do absolutely nothing for itself. But with the kind, gentle love and compassion of parents and, and siblings, etc., the baby's fine. The baby thrives and does well. That's how God sees us. That's what God is able to do for his children. And he who is sovereign has the power to be able to do this for us. We just don't look at it in the way that God wants us to look at it. That's why he calls us All children. Over and over again. In verse 25, to the only God and Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, ma- majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That's, that's everything. What more, what more could we ask for? Right? What more could we ask for? So, we're meditating, we're thinking about this, this beauty of God and how great and how grand and how wonderful God is and all that God sees in me and all that God is going to do for me and all that God has done for me and all that God is doing for me. So my past, my present, and my future and the fans that are encouraging me and saying, you can win. And then I say, well, I'm struggling. And then you look to Jesus and say, God is able. And so for that reason, we will make it to the end. And so you close your eyes. We do that to help with focus and meditate on these beautiful things that God has done for us to refocus our minds and our attention and get us out of the 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 mindset of, you know, and down in the mindset of the rat race that's going on in the world today. Unshackling ourselves, releasing ourselves from the very things that are creating our struggles. Let's go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I want to look at the uh, entirety of this psalm because it, it's, it's not a lot. Uh, there isn't a lot there. But I'm going to read uh, all eight verses and then, uh, and then I'll come back and, and we'll talk just a little bit about, about these verses. So keep your Bible open if you, you have it. Um, okay, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains from whence shall my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. For, excuse me, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from evil, all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and forever. So here's what God does for us. So we're meditating now, right? Stepping back out of the world. Thinking about God. We thought about Jude. We thought about Hebrews. How much of what we've read do you believe? Because you have to believe it, right? In order to see it. To conceive it, in order to, in order to act upon it, you have to believe it. Right? Simple trusting faith. You just, you just have to believe it. That God has worked out everything that needs to be worked out. And God is not going to meet us in tomorrow. God is already there. It's already worked out. You have to believe it, right? And if we're not, truly believing in it. We're not true believers in the sense that uh, we really truly believe that this is personal, right? And that God really does have us. He's holding on to us and keeping us. We have to believe that and trust that. So, in verse 1 of Psalm 121, uh, I will lift up my eyes. And then he says, from whence cometh my what? My help, right? So, my my help comes from God, thank you, Lord. That means I don't have to do this on my own. I've been doing it for so long on my own, and I realize now, I recognize I do not have to do this on my own. My help comes from God. So when I'm in my um, my, my my pit of of despair, when I'm struggling, in my mind, when my my heart is uh, is struggling, when I feel like I can't, when I want to give up. If I would just look to God and realize that the reason I'm even here is because God's brought me to this point. If God brings you to it, God will bring us through it, right? My help comes from God. Well, and he said, well who? The God who made the heavens and the earth. Does he not have the ability to help me if he made the heavens and the earth? Well, well how, much, how much do I believe it? Do I believe it? Right? Really, truly, honestly believe it. Now, let's think about this word belief. Um, If you were in the first century and you were being persecuted, how much do you have to believe these scriptures? (laughs) You know, here here Nero is has blamed the Christians for burning down Rome, and and he's a great persecutor of the church, and and for no reason at all. All this injustice is happening. It's a horrible place. There are horrible things in a horrible time. And then you're trying to figure out who can help us in this. This, and then you go, oh yeah, wait a minute. Oh God, God will help us. God has helped us. God is with us. And then we say, wait, whoa, whoa, they, but they executed our Lord. Well, yeah, but that doesn't change the fact that God is with us, and God has helped us, and God is helping us. How much do we believe the Scriptures that we actually read? It's easy to dismiss them for and apply them to someone else, you know, especially when things aren't going well. You know, When things aren't going well, it's so easy to say, well, yeah, no, you know, God helped you, but I don't quite have the same faith that, you know, I don't have the kind of faith that Job had. Well, do you? Do you have the kind of faith that Peter had? Well, sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. What about Paul? Well, I don't. I don't know if I. And it, you know, we continue to compare ourselves to other, um, you know, members of the body of Christ and, and God's people. And God never asked us to do that. <laughs> God says, I "Have the faith of a mustard seed." And so, in my faith, here's what I know. What I know is this, the faith that I have in God today, I did not have in God, say, 30 years ago. And the faith that you have in God today, you didn't have 30, 40, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. We grow in our faith, okay? And all the great um, accounts we read in Hebrews chapter 11 about these men and women who journeyed in God and they were found faithful. They didn't just show up and all of a sudden become faithful. They had, they were a work in progress. God was continually working on their faith and working with them through faith. And how does God do that for us today? Well, reading. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't read the word of God, then we don't, um, we don't have the mental capacity uh, maybe that's not the proper word to use. We do not have the um uh, the proper amount of of knowledge in our minds to build on okay and so that idea of capacity that we can we can we can receive it, but if we're not reading it, we can't receive it and when you don't have much to work with, you just don't have much to work with right. You need more to work with. And so the more that we read, the stronger our faith becomes in Christ, in God. So so when you read verse 3, and it says, God will not allow our feet to slip. Uh, I'm going to read it. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. And so you look back and you say, wait a minute. God will not allow Israel's feet to slip. And then you say, wait a minute. Did God allow Israel's feet to slip? And meditate. Think about that. Oh, wait a minute. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has done for Israel. And what did Israel do? While God was holding on to Israel and loving them and keeping them. 2 Kings chapter what 17 beginning at verse 6, and reading to the end of the chapter, gives you a whole history of Israel pushing God away. It wasn't that God allowed them to slip. It was that they kept pushing God away. Pushing God away. and They didn't want God. Remember 1 Samuel chapter 8? They give us a king to the judges like all the other nations. They didn't want God. God said, I was being rejected by them. They didn't want God. How much do I want God? How much of God do I want? Just a little bit, right? Or a whole lot? Is God everything to me? Is this life everything about everything in this life? Is it about God to me, or is it just a little bit of just a little bit, right? And so, God has promised that He will not allow our feet to slip if we will hold Him true. It's echoed over and over and over again throughout the Scriptures, that God is carrying us, right? It's almost like that poem, um, Footprints in the Sand, where, you know, it's the idea that when you were in your your most difficult times, God was carrying you all the way. Interesting, he uses the idea of sheep, right? The fact that God, being the good shepherd, there are sheep that have to be carried, right? Sometimes God has to carry us. Along and he does do that and he never becomes weary or tired ever God is able back to Jude 24 God is able see it all connects and when you allow the word to connect in your mind in your life it's amazing the power that the word possesses to make us what we ought to be but we have to allow God the great physician to work on the transformation that has to happen in our minds, right? As we are not focused on the world, but we're rather transformed into this new man. We're allowing God to work out the, um, the wrinkles in our lives. We're allowing God to mold us and to make us. We're praying for it. We're asking God. And then we're sitting at home. We're meditating. We're thinking about all of the great things that God has done. The greatness of who God is. And the great things of what God has done, what has God done for me, for you, for my neighbor, for whomever it may be, for the world, and I think about this individually, this is what God has done for me in the past now in the present, what is God doing? isn't it amazing when you um when you pray and you're asking God to help you and then you realize his Gift and he's 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 come through. He's there, and it's always right on time, right? You know, Mike can say amen to that. One, right? It's always right on time, and it's right on time. And you go, wow, God did that, and it's so exciting. Well, through your meditation, think about those things. Maybe far too often I've done this where I give myself the credit. I look at what I've done. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to step away. And give God all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. And know that really and truly He does have everything under complete and total control. In verse 7 it says, The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. And I wonder sometimes when I read God keeping us from all evil. Am I thinking about this from a physical standpoint is God using a hyperbole well wait a minute God you didn't protect me from this you know think about Jesus and it's like Jesus prayed and the Bible says in Hebrews that God heard his prayer because of his piety and God delivered him God and you're going wait no 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 no, wait God he, he died and how did God deliver him and then it's kind of mind boggling when you think about it how in the world and then he went to the cross with joy but you see him in Luke 22 and he's in sorrow and and you're watching this, so the transition goes like this. Jesus struggled because of the pain and agony he knew that he was going to go through because of this, this sin that he would take on of the whole world. He needed strength. And in the garden, God sent the angels to strengthen him. And when the angels strengthened him, the strength that he lacked, he gained. And he had not only the ability to continue and to finish the race. He had the mental ability to finish the race. Did God hear him? Yeah. God heard every word of his prayer. Because here's here's the important part of Jesus. For God so loved the world. Jesus loved the world so much so to where he was willing to die for the world. So that willingness was there, but the flesh was holding on to him. There was something shackled to him. The flesh held on to him. But when he got out of the flesh and into the spirit, for God so loved the world. When the creation began, Genesis 3.15, and prior to that, in the days of eternity, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, said, in essence, if we make them, we're going to have to die for them. And they were excited to make us and willing to die for us. Realizing that they are, God is our Father. And we're not illegitimate children. And so, in our lives, God loves us so much. that He was willing to be there for us. So, did the Father hear the prayers of the Holy Spirit, hear the prayer of Jesus? Of course. Because Jesus is God. And God so loved the world, you see, the Godhead. And it's really important. And so when I think about the deliverance from evil, I step back and ask, the things or the times when I feel as though God did not deliver me from evil, was it because of the things that I desired and really didn't want Him to help me with? Or was it really literally what He was talking about? Remember that temptation comes because of my desires, right? James chapter 1. It's what I desire that gets me into trouble. So meditation, hopefully, prayerfully, gets our minds out of all the negative, if you will, the world of negativity, and gets us into the spirit world. Uh, I'm not going to another slide, by the way. I'm going to tell her that I'm working on getting the slide behind us. And getting into and focusing on but so important and so critical, and that is the spiritual side of man. The spiritual side of man is the most important part of who we are. Holistically thinking, when I think about my body, I think about life in general, I think about the whole creation, the whole Word of God. The spiritual man is always the man that conquers. And so it is the spiritual side of us that brings joy, because of the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, because of the great power that God has for us, and we discover in our studies the um, the deep love of God. God has an amazing love for us. It's incredible. It's impressive. It's amazing, and. If if we can just step out of the, you know, again, the rat race. I don't know what else to call it. If we can step out of the rat race and all this negativity that's going on and just dig deep into the Word of God and recognize the love that God has for us and allow the Word of God to persuade, this is important, to persuade our minds, to persuade our minds. If we can persuade ourselves our minds to believe what the Bible says, to believe the message that God has conveyed to us, to persuade our minds to trust in God. Allow the Word of God not only to possess us, literally to possess us. I just can't get enough, right? We'll do that next week, Lord willing. Psalm 119, we'll look at some verses there. Allow God's Word to to literally possess us, okay? To persuade us. And then, finally, allow God's Word to entice your heart, to make you want more. You know, you have that book that you just, you can't put down, because there's so many, there are so many life-enriching truths in there that I just can't get enough of God. Allow God's Word to do that for you. The lesson is yours. I thank you very much for your time uh, this evening. Um, we'll pick up, Lord willing, next week. I thank you again for your time and your participation in one way or another. Thank you very much.